0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 3 of 7 podcast. Man, I got an awesome episode for you guys here today. This is with uh, my good friend and brother, David Charbonnet. You guys might have heard him on the 3 of 7 podcast a long time ago. David and I went through all of uh, pre-BUDS, BUDS, buds, which is basic underwater demolition seal training and seal qualification training together. Today on this episode, we talk through uh, our both of our unique experiences uh, transitioning from the SEAL teams back into civilian life, all right? The reason we had this conversation is because anytime you transition from one thing to to something completely new in life, there's going to be, it's going to be a process. There's going to be a lot of different aspects and things that you have to work through. There's going to be a lot of feelings that come up along the way. We hope that this episode might prepare you for that or uh, help teach you how we kind of uh, experienced it and worked through it in our own ways. David's transition was extremely abrupt. He uh, broke his spine during a skydiving accident and was actually paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, So he has a a very unique perspective uh, because of that abrupt transition that he brings to the table. Uh, David is a a great man of God and a Christian. Uh, I just hope you guys uh, learn something from him. And if you're going through a transition in your life, whether it's graduating high school, graduating college, changing jobs, uh, careers, whatever it may be, I hope you find something that'll help you in this episode. Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by our hydration partner here at 307 Project. It is Hoist. All right, guys, if you haven't tried Hoist, You need to uh, get you some and give it a shot. We found it to be the best hydration supplement that we have ever used. And as you guys know, we do a lot of running and biking and endurance sports and the whole nine yards, so staying hydrated is extremely important to us. We want something that tastes good, that's easy on the stomach, and that keeps you going. In other words, has the things that your body needs to push through extremely hard, long, crazy stuff. Hoist fits the bill for that. Hoist has everything that you need, including calcium, potassium, and magnesium. Um, Go check them out at drinkhoist.com. This is uh, IV-level hydration. It does work better than water. I'll tell you how it works better than water in my experience. I tested it the other day, uh, actually in the sauna, and you guys, I sweat a lot in the sauna. I sauna every night. You guys are going to think I'm crazy, But when I bring hoist up to the sauna and I drink it while I'm in the sauna versus my water bottle and just drink pure water, I can stay in the sauna longer. Uh, Yeah, you think I'm freaking crazy. You try it. It actually helps. Um, We love them. Not only do they make a great product, but they're a great company. That's why we've partnered with them. You guys know we vet any company that we bring on board as partners here at 307 Project and uh, make sure that their values, morals, and beliefs uh, are in alignment to ours because that's important to us. We should uh, help each other as we become increasingly rare in this world, uh, people who uh, believe in, I, I don't know, uh, the absolute morals and and all that good stuff that makes the world go round. So we love Hoist. Check them out, drinkhoist.com. Here's David. All right, sweet. So that's how I know David Charbonnet. We've done a lot of freaking crazy crap together. We've been through a lot of miserable times together. And so what we're going to talk about on today's episode is transitioning from what we we were doing in the SEAL teams, being a SEAL, being in the Navy, transitioning from that into back into regular life. All right. You you know, there's a, there's, there's a big difference there. Um, when you're in the Navy, regardless of what people, any, I don't know maybe it's different in the, in the other branches of the military. I, I doubt it, but I know for me, when I was in the teams, it was like that ultimately was was my life. I mean, you, there were other things. You got little moments and times, and you might have a little break here or there, but you were always beholden to that job, that career, that thing that you were doing. So that was my life. Uh, that's what I identified with. That's what I thought about. Um, that's what I worked on. That was my life. And so we had to figure out when David and I both in different ways left that life, how to start anew or how to start something new, whatever that may be. And I really think that this conversation is is applicable for for anybody and everybody because there's going to be some point in your life where you have to transition, more than likely. All right? I, I don't know very many people that just do the same thing for for their entire lives okay and some of you may may be in that situation but the majority of us there will be a few big transitions during our lifetime and so i want to talk through with david uh what kind of the what what that process was like so that maybe you guys listening can uh have some expectations if you have a big transition coming up you can have some expectations of of what might be coming and how you're going to process through that, what the difficulties are going to be, uh, what the fun parts are going to be. And so that's what I want to cover here. Before we kick this off, David, what are you doing now, man?
1: Uh, now, I, uh, I'm i still president of VIP rehab center here in San Diego. Uh, it's a nonprofit PT clinic that... Uh, to people with neurological conditions like spinal cord injury, like myself, or stroke, uh, TBI, cerebral palsy, MS, um, and multitude of other other types of neurological conditions. Um, and uh, a nap full-time, you know, just trying to be a good dad, be a good husband. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's what I'm doing now.
0: So. What kind of what kind of people do you guys work with at VIP Neuro Rehab? Are you working with veterans? Are you working with uh, like a, I, I assume a broad range? It's not just veterans, right? It's anybody with a spinal cord injury or
1: yes, anybody. Um, uh, most of our patients are civilians. We do serve veterans, and uh, uh, we try to you know help out veterans and law enforcement with you know scholarships if we can fundraise for them. And, uh, but it's really anybody with a neurological injury, uh, probably the most common two are stroke and spinal cord injury. Um, so those are the majority of our patients, but we serve everybody from ages four all the way up to, you know, as old as they can be. And, um, uh, it's been, it's been a, a journey. I've been doing it for nine years now. Uh, I've been injured 11 years. Um uh, and, uh, I started going there almost immediately for myself as a patient and started uh, managing it a couple of years after that. So it's been
0: a while. Well, you answered my very next question. I was going to ask how. Let's go ahead and tell the people how you got involved with VIP NeuroRehab.
1: Yeah. I. Uh, but you want you want me to tell you like the whole story of the injury? And no, everything. we'll work we'll through that
0: in a minute. I just want to know how you okay. how you got plugged in here.
1: Yeah, so I, I I broke my back, and then um, fortunately the seal uh, the, the PT for SEAL team knew, understood that I needed some pretty specific treatment to try to uh, try to recover as much as possible. And so she went out and found uh, this place VIP Neural Rehab Center out in town, and said, "This is where you need to go as soon as you're like out of the hospital." And so that's what I did, and. Just five days a week uh that was my job that's a, the navy was like your job is to get as well as you can so i did that five days a week and uh that was like my new focus and those were my people that i was with every day mm. um and it meant so much to me because you know that, was that at the time it was the hardest thing i'd ever been through the biggest uh definitely in the biggest transition in my life and uh and those people were like, were the closest people to me during that point. So it meant so much to me and, uh, the emotional journey I went through during that time that when I was asked to take over two years after that, um, the doctor that was, that founded it and was running it needed to, to leave, uh, move. And he needs somebody to take it over. Um, do. I, I, was like, I don't know if I can do it. I've never done anything like that. And, uh, he encouraged me to try, and so Jan and I prayed about it, and, uh, and we decided it would be—it was important to try to keep the place going um, and serve people during the hardest times in their life. Just like I, I got—I got the benefit of it, and so it's been our our way of like giving back to um, the staff and the patients for for everything that. It did for me, and the impact it made in my life. And It's turned out to be. We'll probably get into that more too, but it's turned out to be a benefit to me and giving me a purpose after I left the military. Mm-hmm. So, um, we'll talk
0: more about that. Totally, man. And how? So, bef- and and we're about. That's this is a great transition into the meat of our conversation here in just a minute. But how? Uh, how can people support VIP Neuro Rehab? And you talked about those scholarship opportunities. You talked about opportunities to help veterans or law enforcement or people like that that have had these injuries, uh, whatever it may be, and they need a place to go to to learn how to live life as as with with the injury they sustain. I mean, how can people support you guys?
1: Uh, thank you. The uh, uh, best way is to go to VIPneurorehab.org and uh you can donate online um and that money right now we're we're pushing right now to raise money for uh scholarships and uh other other expenses um the the fundraising portion of the clinic has has been uh affected by the the pandemic you know people are in hard times it's been less donations um so we haven't been able we've uh given up as much scholarship as we can and trying to raise money for more so we can help the, the veterans and also we, we do scholarship uh, low income patients that don't have money for therapy mm. um and and uh, and most almost all our patients the the insurance has been used up and so they're all paying out of pocket because um the insurance, you know, after you get like a spinal cord injury they're like, Okay, you get three weeks of P T you're like, Well, I'm gonna have a spinal cord injury forever, maybe so, um <laughs> it's kind of it doesn't make any sense but uh, we try to be there for to fill that gap whereas you know, the, the hospitals maybe are, are limited and um and so yeah the, the donations go a long way we we work really hard to let that money go straight to the patients and, and uh, to get just get diluted by you know the organization and um we really appreciate it all the help we
0: of that brother I appreciate you putting that word out David and thank you for what you're doing for people man <clears throat> uh, I couldn't imagine uh, how important it would be for somebody with an injury that is is going to change everything about the way they live their lives to have a place to go that have to have people to come alongside them and uh, and and help them uh, heal. Uh, body soul and spirit man and learn how to how to get back in the mix which is exactly what you've done David you've come so so far since your injury man and and it's just I'm so thankful that you've done what you've done because there was every opportunity I know in that moment to just give up and that's not what you did you you did anything but give up you actually took on uh uh, more responsibility than I could imagine having, uh, especially with the, with the children you got, you and Janet have adopted and you running this organization. And it's like, holy smokes, you just, you got right back into it and did anything but give up. It's always inspired me, uh, watching your journey. Um, since you came out the other side of that injury. And I want to dig into that, man. So you guys obviously can get some understanding now of how, of, of why David had to make his transition. It was an extremely abrupt thing, right? David, (laughs) it wasn't like something that you, 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 you had time to plan for it or, or put things, arrange things and, and line other things up. It was just abrupt. Um, my transition from the military was uh was a little different. I had about a year that that I kind of knew it was coming. I had about a year to prepare to to think through it and to go through it in my mind. Um, for me, and I want to get your take, uh, David. But for me, the first thing that I can remember when I realized that my time doing that job as a seal. Was going to come to an end. The first thing that I remember feeling was uh, fear or anxiety, or I was almost afraid. And I'm gonna tell you, I'll never forget, man, going in to sit with my CMC Command Master Chief at SEAL Team Eight, and he looked at me and he said, "Essentially, you're not gonna make it without the Navy. What What do you What are you gonna do without the Navy?" You don't, you don't have any other, you don't have anything else to offer. Like, what are you going to do without the Navy? And, dude, that made me really, like, that scared me because this is a dude that I respected. Obviously, CMC of a SEAL team. I looked up to him, and he's basically sitting here talking about, oh, oh, you're screwed, man. There's an aspect of the SEAL teams, all right? I'm just going to be truthful with you guys. There is an aspect in some... Some little areas of the SEAL teams, some little, there's an aspect of the culture, I guess I'm trying to say. In a way, they want you to think you can't do anything outside of the SEAL teams because that's part of them retaining their people, right? They that In a way, that is there. I'm not saying that that's the overarching mission, but that is there. And man, I felt that, especially after having that guy that, that I respected, tell me that. Like, I thought, well, man, maybe he's right. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I'm not going to make it without the Navy. Like, how am I going to earn money? I don't, I don't have a college education. I don't know what the, what, what am, what am I going to do? That's a good question. And so, man, I was, I was pretty wrecked. My nerves were pretty wrecked. How am I going to make a living? What am I going to do? now to pay the bills right because the money we made in the navy was enough to make a living but it wasn't like you you banked money every every month you know it was enough literally to pay the bills and make a living and that was about it so um that was kind of the first thing that i remember feeling and for some of you guys that are that are getting ready for a big transition especially if you know it's coming i can only imagine you guys can relate to this, feeling like, "Holy crap, what am I going to do? What skills do I have? How am I going to pay the bills?" Let me tell you. You have skills. You have things to offer. You are going to be able to find another way and we're going to be able to we're going to dig into that in just a minute. But David, I want to hear what was the what were the the first kind of emotions or the first feelings that you had when you had that abrupt injury and you knew Everything about your life was going to change, man.
1: Uh, uh, I was certainly afraid, also, when that when my transition happened. And it did happen. I didn't have more than half a second to, to see it coming. So, uh, uh, I just remember laying there as soon as I, I like could evaluate, and I, I looked at my legs, and I could tell that they were paralyzed. I could tell. I, I instantly knew what was. The situation as soon as i saw my legs wow and uh i just laid my head back on the dirt and looked up at the blue san diego sky on that drop zone and i was like all right god let's do this and uh but i remember it, it was very weird it was uh, you know because we all had goals for our career i specifically i i planned on staying in the navy forever as long as they were gonna let me i was like i'm gonna retire and uh I was just at the beginning of my career of that journey that I had already mapped out in my head and imagined, you know, all the things that I was going to do. And in that instant, as soon as I saw my legs like that, that whole map just evaporated in my mind. And it it was like the David that I saw in the future had died. And there was nothing I didn't have. There was just a blank map. And I, I was like, that was terrifying. And, uh, and like you, I don't, I don't, I didn't go to college. Um, uh, the reason I got kicked out of the Navy the first time was because they found out I was colorblind. And I remember that time that at that point I was, I was scared too, because I didn't have a college degree. I was like a straight D student in high school. I didn't want to go to college really. And I didn't, I was like, my gosh, I'm gonna be a loser. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm I just going to have to like, Live off my parents and then be a bum. Like once they can't support me, you know, I, I was terrified, and uh, and it was kind of like the same thing over again. Even though, you know, I was now uh, have been through buds, and like that qualification carries a lot of weight now, I guess. But but I knew, like, you know, the jobs that people give seals, they usually want seals that can walk and operate, and I, I, that was done. So. Uh, I was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. And also, you know, a huge part of it was, was I finally found like my place in the world. It's like, well, how, what I thought, how God was going to use me and that was gone. And so I was felt completely like, you know, just purposeless. And, um, I think that was like the deepest cut was, was that, um, but yeah, I, I, I did have, like, a belief that, like, I could do anything. I feel like team guys do get that. Like, they believe that they can accomplish almost anything because you're asked to do seemingly impossible things all the time, and then you just chip away at it until you do it. Um, and so there was a tiny little – I think that's the only thing that, like, kept me hanging on. was like, I'm going to figure this out, you know. And uh, But I didn't – I had no idea that it was going to be the journey that it was and how long it was going to take for – you know, my mind to get to get where it needed to be, and just to find my way again, and uh, and I couldn't have done it without the people around me. It's funny too, like, you know. I, I I'll never forget. I got a, a lot of letters from people when I first broke my back. You flew out immediately um, when you heard, and I and but there. I don't remember the letters what people wrote to me except for you wrote me a letter, and I remember reading it like in the hospital and the one sentence in it is the only thing I remember that anybody wrote was, was, and I know, I know Charbo that you don't even know how to quit. And I just remember reading that and being like, I want to quit so bad right now. Mm-hmm. Like if there was a way to quit this situation, I would. And, um, and, uh, but that was kind of like, I was like, all right, I have a response. I have a reputation of like, and an example that I need to uphold and to push on. And that's that. That one sentence is uh, is uh made an impact on me, uh, and you know gave me a little bit of juice to keep pushing through that that day at least. Uh,
0: well, so. you you know you do have a reputation and an example to set because I I looked up to you all through our our, our training cycle, right? I, I, I you were older than me, you were more mature than me, you were stronger than me. I looked up to you. So that was my image of you in my head was that this guy don't know how to, he don't know how to quit. He's all, he's always going to show up and keep moving forward. It's pretty cool, man. I, I, I uh, I didn't know, uh, I, I don't even remember writing that letter. I remember coming out to see you, but I don't remember writing that letter. And, uh, it's, it's really special to me that, to, to hear that, um, that part of your story, man. Uh and by the way guys David had a skydiving accident this this uh, injury that he sustained was uh due to a skydiving what what happened david did the canopy collapse or how did that end up happening
1: Uh no I, I actually had a good canopy but I opened up kind of off the drop zone not where i anticipated and uh when i was trying to make my way back to the drop zone um there was right when i was getting to the point where i needed to turn the lane um there was a plane uh, under me and it was loading more jumpers to do another lift, but it was you know props are going. and I was like, I don't want to land anywhere near that thing. So I, I really you know you're quickly evaluating what you need to do. And I was like, I think I have enough altitude to go to go past it and then turn. In hindsight, I didn't and I should have turned before, but uh, I went past it and then I, I had to make a low turn. I burned way more altitude than I thought it would take. And when I made it, when you turn a canopy, it stalls, and that, and it kind of dips, and, and you start falling forward, kind of like the, the, the canopy turns sideways, and you're like, "Die, fucking an airplane. And so it takes a couple, some altitude to level off again. And so when I did that, I stalled the canopy probably at like 80 feet, and um, I thought I was higher, but the video, there's video that says that wasn't, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I, I pulled the toggle, to turn, I can't be stalled and I didn't even have time to be scared. I was like on the ground in a second, but the only thing I thought that the ground rushed up at me was I was kind of like in a face plant. So I threw my legs down and kind of tuck and rolled just, uh, I tumbled my way around. I got all singled up The dirt was like all everywhere and in my mouth. It was like a mortar shell hit the dirt. And then, uh, I didn't lose consciousness somehow and uh, my helmet went flying off. And, but the impact was so hard that I was like, oh man, I'm sure I broke something. So that's why I was untangling myself to look at my legs. And uh, and when I looked at my legs, I, I was like worried they were going to have a broken leg or something. But when I looked at my legs, they were not laying how I thought they were. They were laying kind of sideways, mm. like lifelessly. And I was like, oh man. I think I know what happened. So, gotcha. that's that's kind of the quick of it. Um, but yeah, I'm lucky that that. I mean, it, it was a, it was a big accident, and like the jumpers on the ground that saw me, they, they thought that I was dead um, just from the impact. But I, I didn't have another bruise or scratch on me. I mean, I had one vertebrae like explode, and that's catastrophic. But I, I didn't have a head injury. Or not a bad one, I guess, and uh, uh, I'm really lucky in that sense. Um, I, I can use my, uh, all the use of all my upper body, and that's one thing, you know, you learn working with the clients that I work with, and I tell people all the time, you know, another kind of role that I really enjoy is that I get to work with, talk with them, just as an, a fellow person going through some neurological injury or condition and I get to tell them hey this place it's important to be here because you get to see people better off than you and worse than you you, you get that perspective and you, you you see the people worse than you that reminds you not to feel sorry for yourself you're like well at least I have this or that and you see people that you're doing better at and it encourages you that, that you're um, you know, making progress so that perspective is so cool yeah but yeah I'm really lucky that's the short of the
0: accident. You know, and another thing that you said earlier, David, was, um, you talked about how you and I both had initially experienced, you know, getting out of the, getting out of the Navy or getting disqualified from doing what we wanted to do, you know, early on in our careers. Uh, mine was for a heart condition. Yours was for colorblindness. Um, but, the second, the second time we had to experience that, I think what made it different for me, man, and you alluded to it a little bit, was just how much time you had invested at that point, right? So the first time we went in, we did boot camp. Then it was all taken away from us and we got out. We were still pretty young we didn't have a lot of time and memories and and just brutal freaking pain and suffering. We didn't have all that invested. And for you and I both, the second time that we had to transition out of the military, there was just so much time and effort invested and you you had your 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 vision was much more established. Like your vision of what your the rest of your life and your career was going to look like was much more established then because you had been through all these steps, man. And like you said, when, when, when you had your injury, that whole vision that you had established through all those really hard things that you had done and now you were about to embark in, in on what was seemingly the 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 meat of it uh, then there was nothing to fill that spot fill the fill that void once that grand vision that had been established disappeared and um, you know yeah I I agree with you the first time that I got out because of the heart condition, I was de- I was like depressed and and this and that but for me, and I wonder this for you too. The first time, there was always a little inkling of hope that I would get back in. The second time, there was no hope. Like I was I was I was older, I wasn't gonna when when I got out this second time, there was no hope that I was ever gonna get back in. So I think that was a big difference between the two also, you know.
1: Yeah, same here. Uh, I mean, even though they said I wasn't coming back the first time I I was like, I just, there was like this tiny glimmer that I was like, I'll figure out a way to get back in. Um, But yeah, the second time, you know, once I realized the the situation, it was pretty apparent that that was not going to be my life anymore. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah, There's not. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is gone. And all right. So we, we both. Now we're, we'll move on. So, David had his injury. I got, I was um, medically retired. We got out. Okay. Now, w- once you get out, that, that, f- for me personally, that fear of like, oh, how, how am I, how am I going to now make a living? Like, what can I bring to bear? Like, that fear doesn't just immediately subside. But for me once I did get out the ties were broken with the navy and I was out in the world I had to get to work doing something so there was no longer like I was no longer in this limbo and so I think the next thing that I began to feel that kind of that kind of took the place eventually of the fear and anxiety that I had about transitioning, the next thing that I began to feel to feel was this excitement. So at first, that void that David's talking about when you transition, right? The void that's created, the picture that you had painted for your future that's now been taken away, and now there's this void canvas. Once I was out, I looked at that void canvas and I started to make some little lines on it, right? In my mind. I started to man, this thing is completely empty. I can go any which way I want to go. Like and I I started to feel a little bit of excitement about well I have a lot of options here and it's gonna be work, but at least I at least I have this blank canvas that I can work off of, and I can start to be creative and and, uh, and and get the ball rolling on building whatever the next thing is. But that blank canvas scared me until it's like the deal was done and the ties were cut. And then I, once that happened, and it was definitive. Okay, I'm not going back then I could look at that blank canvas and just have a little inkling of excitement or maybe even curiosity about what can I do with this thing, right? What can I do with this thing? And so I'm really glad that the Holy Spirit gave me the courage to look at that blank canvas and have a little excitement and curiosity about what I can do with it. Because the only other option would have been to just disappear into the shadows and live some kind of pointless life, which I know some men that have chosen to do that with that blank canvas that they've been offered. They say, I'm not going to draw anything on this. I'm going to turn around and look at the old picture for the rest of my life. And uh, and that leads to some really, really unhealthy years. And I'm so glad I didn't do that, man. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't do that. And what I know... That period of time for you was—you um, had so many other components going on because you had re- the recovery aspect and and the PT aspect and uh, the lifestyle, the the legitimate physical lifestyle change that you 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 had to you had a lot going on, man. So when did that kind of fear and anxiety of losing which losing that vision? When did that start to subside for you? And then what began to creep its way in to replace those feelings?
1: Um, I would say I had that, that fear for, for quite a while. And, and I would say, you know, it's, it's not, there's not really a, a time that it went away. It, it's just, it's kind of like a, an ongoing battle because um, it, There's, like, as different chapters in my life unfold, there's new challenges that I didn't, I hadn't had to address yet about my injury. You know, like, I became, like, I became, I I got married. And then uh, it's like, you know, uh, man, I wish, I wish I could stand, like, at my wedding with my wife. Like, it's unfair that I don't get to, you know, and then you have to, like, deal with, like, uh, being upset about that. And then, you know, you come to terms with all that stuff and then years come down and then you got kids. And then, and then I was like, oh man, I wish I could like, you know, run around and play sports. with them. And then you have to address, you have to come to terms with that. And uh, so it's like, there's always these new things that come up. And so I've learned and, my, and Janice learned too, because everything I deal with, she's dealing with emotionally too. And so we've learned to not let our guard down and we need to be ready to like, to continue to like have a positive mindset and outlook on things and not become complacent. Um, I would say two years typically, somebody told me after I broke my back, another paralyzed person, uh, at the VA, they said, it takes about two years to come to terms with this. And I was like, man, I'm like a month out. I was like, I'm going to be, I'm like at terms with it now. And, uh, (laughs) just like so naive. And, um, and I remember, you know, I pretty much after that, it was I just started tumbling down emotionally in a, into this hole of depression. So about a year out, I was about hitting rock bottom, considering uh, if I wanted to kill myself and thoughts like that creeping in my head, which I never thought that I would think. And it was really scary to, to think that I was even having those thoughts on, on, and it became it was becoming so frequent that I, that's like all I could think about. And then through like the help of Janet and kind of tell me that God loves me, even if I don't believe it right now. And started just getting back into the word and forcing myself to try to pursue God. And I just, there waiting for him to do something for me, but pursue my relationship with him. And it's that following year, I kind of climbed out from rock bottom and it ended up that about two years. I felt like I was kind mm. of come to terms with it. And I actually got married on the two-year anniversary of me breaking my back. Uh, So that was really cool. And now, you know, October 15th is a good day now. So, um, but, and then around that time too is when I got asked to take over VIP. And I really, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was focused only on PT and I was starting to like realize that, like my own PT. And I was starting to realize that I, need, I was going to have to figure out something to do with myself other than just try to, like, do physical therapy on myself. Um, and I really didn't know what that was going to be. And that was, like, really frustrating. So I, It was frustrating after high school not knowing what to do. And then I finally found the field teams, and I was like, oh, finally, that's my thing. And then I was like, oh, great, now I have to start all over again and figure out what to do with myself. And uh, pretty much getting this clinic thrown in my lap as a responsibility uh, and it does become such a blessing because I got to minister to people going through the similar trials that I had gone through and and as I did that it just it, re, it rejuvenated my soul and it gave me such purpose and I was like that's what I was missing like I was missing that purpose of, of you know I think you and I and most people that go to SEAL training, like, yeah, it's a fun job, but I think a lot of us have it's a call to purpose. I I wanted to do it because I wanted to go, you know, the SEAL teams is it's to hunt and kill bad guys. And I thought that was an important and noble thing and I thought that was my service to the Lord even to help protect people from from you know, bad guys. And I was like, off that that purpose it's just so so devastating. So I didn't really realize that until i had these this new purpose thrown in my at well, my lap with the clinic and uh I would say then that's when that like I was like, okay. Uh, I, I didn't start filling my canvas like you said, you know, like the empty canvas for like two years. I was like, I'm just doing physical therapy and if I don't get better then I'm just gonna keep doing physical therapy and I'm not gonna start on that blank canvas feel like I'm better and it's was, it was a dumb thing to do and um, you can work on yourself and you know be working on that roadmap at the same time and so around that two years then it was like God kind of made me start he put the clinic on that campus was like hey this is what you're going to be doing mm-hmm. and through that I, I started branching off and working on that and realizing that that service to other people is is important not just for me but for everybody. And I've come across so many, like I'm sure you have too. Like I feel like it's real typical of team guys when they get out, they're like, "All right, I did my job, I served my country. Now I'm going to go make some money." You know? Yep. And uh, they, they get and and team guys are good at like getting like high and they're good at accomplishing things. So get high paying jobs and they're like making money. And I've met all these guys recently that are now in different organizations helping people. And they're like, yeah, I was making all this money. And I was just so unhappy and they left it and started helping their, whether it's like their fellow veterans or helping, you know, shield community or helping all these different guys i met with different causes. And, and it's just interesting to see that, like, that we need that, and and not even just non-Christian guys too. They they've come to that realization that, that they need that service. It's not just to help the people that they're helping; it it helps them mm-hmm. too. And um, and that's been one of the biggest things I've learned. And, and I remind myself daily. You know, I'm probably not I'm not going to be doing running the clinic for the rest of my life, probably. But whatever wherever life takes me. I need to make sure that I'm serving the people around me, or else not just to do the right thing, but it's going to make me feel empty if I don't. I, I'm, and I remember having dinner with you right before you were going to get out, and I was like, "What are you going to do?" And I remember you talking about uh, how you'd been like ministering to like young young men, I think, it was teenagers at the time, as they were like about to become adult men, and you're like, "I, I just really like." Feel like God wants me to like minister to to people, and I was like, "That's really cool." And um, and I know, like, you had no idea at the time, like, how exactly you were going to do it, but it was just a spark. And so it's cool to see now what you've done and impact you've made.
0: Well, I appreciate that, brother. And I think uh to to kind of sum up that service aspect and why that's so important to us as humans is when you, when you enter into something that is more than just self-serving, like you said, like whether it's the job that's, you know, making, just making a lot of money. Um, like when you're, when you're doing those types of things in life, you, there is nothing other than yourself. Right. And I think one of the most important one of the most important components of our happiness in life I think it's actually the way God designed the the human being uh, is to be a part of something that is bigger than just you yourself literally from from the creation of man mankind was made to live even prim- primitive man was made to live in community they were you, you had no choice but to be part of of this community, this, this operating body of, of people that are trying to accomplish, even if it's something as primitive as just survival, you have to be part of something bigger than yourself to be fulfilled as a human being. It's something the way that we were wired. It's weird though, the way that society and technology and, and, uh, you know, modern modern culture, it's created an environment where if you want to, you can just be self-serving, right? If you want to, you you can have your own little house in your own little space and you can make money on the internet and never have to talk to anybody or help anybody do anything, but you will find yourself freaking miserable if you try to do that. Uh, yeah, you might, you might have a lot of money. You might have a lot of things, uh, but you will find yourself miserable. And I also thought you talking about kind of at that one year mark, when you made the, the choice to start focusing or fix your, try to at least, turn your vision or fix your focus back on Christ. Like, how did you decide to do that, man? Like in the midst of this, this depression and, and this just like heaviness that you were feeling like, how did you decide to, all right, I'm, I'm going to pick my Bible back up or I'm going to pray again. Or, or how did that had to have been tough decision, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, the I, I was, you know, I was, I grew up a Christian, so I was reading my Bible and I prayed, was praying a lot during that year, that first year. I mean, I was talking to God a lot. So one of, one, one of the problems with the injury was I was having so much pain, uh, like phantom pain, mm-hmm. and, but it was the most severe pain. It was more pain than I imagined. imagine having. And, uh, and there was, and we didn't know how to manage it at the time nerve pain's like kind of a weird thing where it's not like you just medicate it and you go because it's kind of in your inside the nervous system. It's like it's not like my legs are actually being injured. This just feels like it. And so I spent so many nights just crying out to God, Help me, help me, help me. God please help me. And felt like there was no answer. And then I used to just pray like, God, just give me a sign that like this is for a reason or that you're like, you do, you're caring for me, even though I have to go through this. And like nothing. And then I was just like, God, I just pray. it's like, give me a sign that you're even real. And I'm not just talking to the ceiling as I lay here in bed and I felt like nothing. And I remember one night, I was just like, that's like, all right. You. Like there's, there's nobody out there listening to me cry out. And that was like such a despair. Because faith was such a big part of my life, and I just felt like, "Gosh, like, is there really nobody there that's looking over me and feeling lost?" And at that time, I'd cut out everybody out of my life. Uh, Janet and I were dating, and I I, I was like, "You need to go find somebody else. I'm a lost cause." So we hadn't talked for a little bit. It was in the middle of the night, uh, just like in utter despair, and I don't know why but I called Janet and she woke up and was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I don't know how I'm going to survive one more day doing this. And, and, uh, she like hung out and she just was like, come outside. I'm outside your house. She got in her car and drove over. And so I came out and I was like, just a broken man. And I, and I, was like, I was like, God has like abandoned me. Like, I don't even know if he's there. And, I read the Bible and it's just like words, like nothing makes sense, it sinks in. And she said, uh, She said, even if you don't believe that God is, loves you, He does, even if you don't realize it. And uh, I say, like, Okay. And she said, Just go. Need you need to just start diving into the Bible and force yourself. She's like, Just start reading the book of James. At the time, she was memorizing the book of James. And so it was like on her heart. and the, the first chapter of James talks a lot about like going through difficult times. And so it's just so like, you know, just God's hand in that, the timing of all that. And so I, I remember I went inside and I was like, all right, God, like, right at this very moment, I don't even know if you're out there, but I'm going to pursue you like you are. And I'm mm. going to like, I'm just going to, pretend like this makes sense until it does and and i had started reading james one and it just kept going and uh and it's, i just slowly started building up that relationship with god and and you know god doesn't answer all the all the time answer things instantly and in the view of god eternity you know 10 and 11 years is like nothing so it is instant in that sense, but, uh, it's it, it just so hard not to like, I was, I was just praying the wrong way. You know, I, I needed to, to pray like, God, your will be done. And if that means me going through what I'm going through, then, then give me the strength to do what you want me to do. And, um, that, that's kind of how I, that, that turning point at that year mark happened. And then, I mean, Gianna saved my life, you know, that night. I don't know how far deeper down in depression I could have gone without getting away. Um, so, you know, she's the greatest gift God has ever given me. So I'm very thankful for her and her impact on my life. Um, yeah, that's that story.
0: Oh, that's, that's a, uh... I'm really glad I asked that question, David, because I didn't know I was going to get that story today, and, uh, and it encourages me so greatly to hear that, man. Uh, my faith in Christ was also a, a huge part of me kind of through my transition. I, I, maybe I've told the story before, and I mean, obviously our situations are completely different, um, I was I was feeling lost for other reasons, mainly because I'm just a freaking dumb old redneck that grew up in Northwest Georgia, and I didn't know what I could bring to bear, right? And uh, going moving forward in life, and and I remember for me it wasn't so much of uh, in your case it was more I think it was different emotions for for me it was more of like um, just lost, right? Just like just confused, just lost and. And uh, maybe feeling insufficient or incompetent. I wasn't dealing with the pain and the and things that you were dealing with, but I remember I was laying in bed one night. I'll never forget it. It was it's the first what I call I I call I, I'm hesitant to call it a vision because people Christians can get carried away with this whole concept of getting these visions from God or word from God, or I, I, I believe uh, this is a side note. The reason that there are not modern day prophets is because God has given us everything that he wanted to tell us in his word. All right. We have the by Bi- the Holy Bible. It is complete. It is finished. All right. When there were, when there were prophets in the old Testament, in the, in, you read about them in the Bible, and they were getting this word from God. Is because God's word was not completed in 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 a book that that we have here. All right, so don't get carried away with this. I don't I I, I don't know how to explain it. I was laying in bed one night, feeling all this confusion, and just like I was just a freaking loser, and I didn't know how to provide for my family, and what was I going to bring to bear? And so this was the the big moment for me. I can't compare it to your Janet moment, but if I had a Janet moment, this would be it for me. I'm laying in bed, and uh, in my mind's eye, I see a scroll, like an old scroll that you would like unroll, right? And this is all vivid in my mind's eye. Now, I was awake. I wasn't asleep. And on this, this scroll was everything that I had done in the SEAL teams. Uh, It was like a resume, okay? It was just listed out, everything that I had done. And uh, those were the things that I thought I had to offer. I didn't think I had anything else to offer other than those things that I had done as a SEAL, right? And so, I'm looking at this resume written on the scroll, and these clouds, I can only describe it as clouds, begin to build around this scroll. And as the clouds build, the scroll shrinks, and it keeps shrinking and shrinking until I can no longer read the words written on the scroll. So I can't read any of those old things that I had done. And I was confused and, and all of a sudden I had the realization or it was revealed to me that those that presence that was building around that scroll and causing it to to shrink was the presence of God or the Holy Spirit and in my it clicked in my mind in that moment I said the Holy Spirit I think made me understand through that vision that if you will let me, what I can do, my presence in your life, if you will let me have control here, if you will follow me, I can do so much more than you have done. In other words, my presence makes all those things that you have done, that you're relying on moving forward, my presence, my power, uh, it literally makes those things so insignificant that nobody will even be able to read them anymore. Like, and so that was like the moment for me that I was like, okay, I'm gonna focus on following Christ. I'm gonna I'm gonna really focus on my faith. I'm gonna be patient here. I'm gonna listen. Uh, and and that was a big transitional moment for me, man. And so we get out. You're at the two-year mark, David, now, and you get this um, VIP Nora Rehab. You get the opportunity placed in your lap to basically take this organization over that's meant a lot to you, it seems like, up to this point. Uh, kind of my place where I was at was really around about that same mark or that That year, maybe I was about a year and a half or so. Was the the idea of three a seven project? So this thing now, this this next this next mission, and launching into that, man. What was that? What what did that do for you? Did did that was that really? Did that require in 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 just? Did that give you new focus? Did that what was that like for you, man?
1: Um, it definitely, you know, it, it refocused, it refocused me, because um, I had a lot to learn and, and, and it was also going out of business at the time and we, it needed dire help. And I, I was having to learn on the fly and when you're, when you're helping other people and you're on a, on a mission to do something, you don't have time, you're solving other people's problems you don't have time to feel bad about your own problems anymore. And that was the first time I think I really realized that. And uh, I, uh, I there was a lot of frustration at the time, you know, trying to fix things that uh, you know weren't working. Also, I don't know if you've come across this, but I felt like, you know, in, in the Navy, it's like there's a, so much nonsense and like bureaucracy. And it's like so hard to get stuff done sometimes. And I was just like, man, now that I'm a civilian, everybody's going to be squared away and professional. <laughs> and it and there, like, I, I re- it gave me an appreciation for how professional people are in the military. I was like, I, mean, I was like, so, there's awesome civilians out there, like, trust me. But I would come across so many people that just had no idea what they're talking about, or they're just full of it and just lying, and you're like, it's so frustrating. And so I, I had to adjust to that adjust to like dealing with with civilians um whether they be like my subordinates or you know uh, or or you know just other people other you know network your network of other people uh for the clinic learning to deal with them in a way that was different than how you can deal with your fellow yeah now you seals.
0: Now, now you have to now you have to uh, now you're dealing with people that have feelings. You have to worry about people's feelings. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and like, I've all, all the staff that I've had throughout the years, they've all been really awesome. And, um, I'm very lucky because some of them have just love. we've lucked into them falling into our path and, and they have just been so great. And, um, but I, I've like, I told people, you know, this is years ago. I don't even, the employees are there, I think they're former employees, uh, they've moved on to like go to different careers, but uh, I would say like, you know, hey, I need the, the bathroom, I need you guys to clean the bathroom, and, which is their responsibility anyways uh, this, the people I was talking to and I came back and like the bathroom wasn't clean, and I was like I was like, that's weird, I told them to you know, like in the Navy, like if I told a junior person to do something that was it like it was gonna get done and and like i learned i was like not just i can't just say do something i have to like convince them to do it (laughs) um you know because i couldn't just like yell at them and like or like be like hey go get go jump in the ocean real quick as punishment or whatever yeah so uh learning how to like like you said people have like feelings and stuff so and you have to account you have to take that into account in the military they're like it's you know, people still have feelings but everyone knows like your feelings are not a part of the decision
0: making. Exactly.
1: So, um, so they're like, Hey, you know, that hurts my feelings, you your boss is in the military. So you're like that's not important right now. Mm-hmm. What's important is the job, what needs to get done. And so um yeah, so I think I got off track there, but No there was I, a lot of frustration
0: and I wanna go ahead. I, I want to ask you too, where, at what point did you guys adopt your first child? Was this, was this late? Had you, had you had time to get established running at the, re, the neuro rehab clinic or?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, Janet, Janet wanted kids like, you know, the day we got married, basically she she loves kids. And and I was like, Oh, I'm like, you know, I need to learn to be a husband then we'll work on being a dad so we took a couple years but uh i'd always wanted to adopt one day because uh, my best friend growing up was adopted and i just thought it was awesome and uh and so i wanted to do it one day um we ended up having having trouble uh conceiving like naturally and so uh like whatever for whatever reason this wasn't going to happen and we tried for a while and and at a certain point, it was like, we just felt like God had called us, like, hey, like, close that door, move move forward. And both Jan and I felt that way, like, at the same time. And we're like, that's how I feel, too. And so we're like, all right, let's do this adoption thing, which is a really daunting and scary process because it's very, like, it's very vulnerable in it. Like, you have to have home studies where people come to your house and, like, to your cupboards and stuff, and make sure it's all safe for a kid. It's like very uh nerve wracking to mm. be like judged like that, I guess, in your own house and um the people are always very nice. It was like uh not, not that bad but um and then you know you get selected you're just waiting for some birth mother to select you and so um that was in two thousand sixteen. So I've been running the clinic for two years at that point, uh when we decided to apply for an adoption. And then we got selected and uh, a couple up in Washington, near Seattle picked us and we went up there. We got to be there when my daughter was born and uh, changed, like changed my life. The most my life's ever been changed in a single moment. uh, When she appeared, uh, made me a dad and uh, I don't know. I didn't know a thing about babies kids so I've learned all that on the fly thank goodness Janet knows she's like a the best person with kids so I just learned from her but it's been so fun mm. and like being a dad is like such an honor but it's also a really scary uh, responsibility that I'm you know God has charged me with fathering with these children that you know we're all adopted you know we're all God's children and and, uh, our parents, our earthly parents, they're just our adopted parents to, you know, safeguard us for a short time, you know, if you're on earth. And so it's just kind of cool to think of it that way. Like we're all adopted. And, you know, My kids are really proud that they're adopted. They think it's really cool. And, uh, just tell random people on this spec, I'm adopted. Like, okay. Uh, <laughs> didn't ask that, but thanks. Um, but. Yeah, so that's, that's what we, we did. And then obviously, we want, we want to know more. And so uh, we reapplied. And each time has been a totally different scenario, and uh, a cool scenario. And it's been cool, too, because we've not only been blessed with three awesome kids, but, but we also have these relationships with their birth families. And it's, we have these like very special bonds now with these people that we would have never known. Hmm. And they're, they're family now and uh that's been really cool and it's something that i didn't really consider you know i didn't even think about that part of it when we started the process and uh it's been really cool and it's been it's been awesome and i'm so thankful for just last night praying for janet with janet when we went to bed i was like god thank you for our family and thank you for how you gave them to us and for Hmm. the the way that this all happened because you know the injury the infertility stuff like all that stuff was bad things that i would not trade for anything because it it led me exactly to where i want to be right here and i wouldn't i wouldn't have it any other way even that map that i had that life that i had mapped out you know that day that disappeared um, 11 years ago uh it was a cool like i was gonna go to you know development group and you know screen and i was gonna be you know, at the tip of the spear it was just gonna be like this great career and uh in my imagination wow well, you know it seems so in- insignificant now to what I have and I was so mad about it at the time you know you just God up there shaking his head being like you dumb you know, I'm trying to help <laughs> you out like you know what are you doing and uh I don't know I don't know if you, you felt that way about your situation too, like, I don't know. I I bet you had no idea like 10 years ago or whatever when you were in the Navy, I bet you had no idea that you were going to be where you're at now, you know?
0: No, I I literally had no idea that I would would even be capable. Uh, There was no way for me to perceive it because I didn't understand what... I say I was capable of, but what God was capable of leading me into like, I, I, yeah, there's no way to perceive it, man. Um, but here's, here's where, where I want to, where I want to go with this now. So we launch, you launch into the, to managing the clinic. Then you decide you, you and Janet decide to adopt your first child in, and the ball gets rolling, right? And so now all of a sudden, that blank canvas in after the transition, now the blank canvas, it starts to get really full, right? It starts to get full again. Everything's rolling. You're rocking and rolling. You're, 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 uh, you've got new purpose. You've got direction. You've got vision. You've got all this stuff. Now here is something that that I have struggled with. Very recently, actually, is now. I still have now for me three of seven project. It got busy. It got rock and rolling, just like you, around about the same time, probably, and um, and so I never once that started rocking and rolling. I never looked back to to think about or process or even understand what was behind me like the old the old picture what what I had done what I had learned like even just to go through it to go through it emotionally it was like i was just a new person and i when i first got going i was really really uh anti-even posting any pictures on social media or having conversations around my career in the, the SEAL teams because I almost had just like, I'm not looking back at that, man. I, I've got this new... And that actually became an unhealthy scenario for me. Um, and what ended up happening... I went through and, and I probably have not reached the end of it where I actually was feeling resentment for or towards my time in the SEAL teams. Like I it's weird. It, it it's it's there that it was there the whole time, but I refused to look at it. But then it eventually creeps its way back into my mind and I don't want to process through any of that man and so then I I, I I went through I've went through quite a while where I've had resentment toward toward that time of my life like man what the crap man I I, I went you know all I went through all that crap in the you know the, the Navy didn't prepare me for 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 what I'm doing now. I've had to learn all this crap on my own. Uh, I've I've had all resentment toward old leaders that I had that were terrible people. Uh, resentment toward um, things that I had to do while I was in the Navy, and man, it was it's freaking it's ate me alive like. I've had to figure out how to reconcile, or I'm figuring out currently how to reconcile and respect who I was and who I thought I was gonna be and who I wanted to be with who I am now. I know that sounds freaking crazy, man, but for any of y'all that are going through a transition, I think the reason I'm putting this out there is you can't expect when that transition happens. Just to be able to completely launch into something brand new that might be awesome, but then completely forget about the lessons that you learned, the things that you endured, uh, good and bad, during that period of your life that you had to transition from. So, have you spent any time thinking back through? Did, do you try? Did you? Do you try to ignore all that? Do you, have you thought through it? Have you? reconciled with it? Have you come to a place of respect with it? Where are you at with that, David? Or have you not even experienced anything like that?
1: <laughs> no, I, I think I definitely have. Um, I mean, I remember at one point, you know, because I had a lot of feelings. I don't know if you had a similar feeling, but I was like, I was like, man, what a waste. Like, what a waste of all that effort that I, I did. And then I don't even and here now, like, it was all pointless, and I I resented it because of that, and then I resented it because I wanted, it was, I missed it, and I wanted to be there, and it was pissed me off that I couldn't be doing it, and so I just remember one time, like early on uh, after the injury, just like collecting all the like you know stuff lying around the bedroom, you know, like patches or whatever, and just like tossing them away, like in a in a closet. Lost somewhere, and I even threw away a bunch of junk. It's like just, I, don't, I don't even want to want to erase this from my memory, and uh, and uh, and even for a long time after that, I feel like when I was in a better place, I kind of just was like, I was like, I'm just put that in the rear view. Like that's I'm not even going to think about that anymore. I'm not even going to say that I was feel like because it's it such a short amount of time. And as I get like, older, it really was such a blip on my history, you know. Because that time gets smaller and smaller as I get older and older and uh, and I was like you know I I don't even I'm just going to erase it from my history it's just like it's kind of painful in a way Uh, but it's kind of come back into my life Uh, in the last year really I got asked by a fellow former team guy at church to help uh, lead Bible studies for Um, Guys that are going want to go through training, and then uh, through that we got to talking, and and we were just talking about the guys that quit or get hurt or dropped. Like, man, because I was there, I got dropped for the color vision, and it was is such a depressing place you're in a barracks full of other depressed individuals that had this goal or dream taken from them, or they gave up on it, and just like it's it was so depressing they called it they called it X Division when I was there they call it something else now but I was like well that's a place where God could make such an impact and so I've actually gotten to go there and uh, help hopefully Bible study with those guys and it's been it's been so cool and it's been like you know we were talking about this the other day like how you know, we do it on Wednesday and I'm like Wednesday comes around I was like man I don't want to drive to base and like you know sit in traffic to get to base. I don't want to do that. I'm just going to skip today or whatever. And then I go and something, God does some amazing work in some person's life. And these kids, you know, it's so funny. They're all like, my life's over. I'm 22 years old. I got, I got kicked out of training. What am I going to do? And I'm like, well, you're 22 years old. So life is definitely far from over. And, uh,
0: Lord knows they need to hear that cool too, thing. man.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I sympathize because I was there too. I was, I was 21 when I was there, and I was like, "It's over, you know, my life's over. I'm not going to accomplish anything now." And, uh, and I'm like, you know, it's kind of cool. It's good that they get to like see, you know, not only I think my injury, they instantly are like, "Oh." I don't have anything to complain about because look at this guy. But then, but I'm like, hey, I, I was in, I was in exhibition. Like, you know, I thought my life was what like, like how God has used me. Like, uh, and I think them seeing like that, that, okay, God can't have a plan when he seems like he's just wrecking ball your life, you know, like just, just ripping everything apart, it, it feels like. It's like that doesn't mean that God's not working and in most cases it's like evidence that he's working I feel like and uh you know I, I had a person one time in the hospital come to me when I was like an inpatient and they were they told me they were trying to be like minister to me but they were like Satan Satan broke your back on that drop zone <laughs> and uh it kind of basically being like, I was not living for the Lord or something, and Satan attacked me. And I was like, I don't think so. I think I think God allowed that to happen. You know? I think that was like, Satan doesn't get to take control over what God's doing. It's not like God doesn't sit up there and go, oh man, I really wanted David to be a seal. Satan broke his back. Like, he doesn't get God is complete control, and um, I think if if I did if I had believed what that guy said, then I don't know where my faith would have ever gone because you. I mean, who wants to have faith in a God that can't even stop Satan from coming and just attacking you, and 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 then then you wouldn't have any faith that he was had a plan, you know? So. Uh, I'm glad that I didn't fall for that, and, um, but I think it's important for people to remember because I think we do have that sense of when when um, life takes a hard turn, just feel like that God that's somehow not God. That's that's the enemy, And uh, I can understand that like concept because it's just our human brains, you know, to think that way. But but we have to fight it and realize what's happening i tell i tell the guys that want to go to buzz i was like if i were you i would pray every day not god help me get through training i would pray god if i'm not supposed to be here i pray that you will get me out mm. I was like now you don't have to worry about quitting because if you're not supposed to be here god can get you out of training really easy yeah i was like god can give you shins you know uh fractures in your legs he can he can have you have a heat stroke. There's so many pitfalls. God can get you out of training so fast, and if and then if you do something happens and you get dropped from training or or you don't make it, then you can you you you'll realize God has answered your your prayer, and it's encouraging. And i, I started really praying that way because that's that's like when I broke my back, you know, God heal me. Me and I still pray that He'll heal me because I think um, we're called to to continue to ask. But um, but now I pray like God, if I'm not supposed to be healed, like you know, shut that or if if anything's happened, I'm like God, if that's not supposed to be where I'm going, close that door. Mm-hmm. And then when God closes the door on something that I want, instead of being disappointed, I'm like, oh. Thank you, God. You just saved me from. I wasn't supposed to go that direction. Mm-hmm. And it's that perspective that's, it, it encourages me instead of disappointing me. And, um, that was like one of the biggest revelations in my prayer life that, uh, has been so beneficial. And, uh, yeah, so. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, that,
0: I, uh, I think, I think that, that opens up a, a, awesome topic. And by no means can we, can we search the bottoms of it, but I, I've had to reconcile similarly with bad situations in my life. And and so one of the big ones, I think the, the closest one that could relate to your situation would be when my wife, Brooke was in active addiction and she almost died from drug addiction. Literally, she was overdosing day after day after day. And like, um, like you, you have to. When, when things happen in this life, it you're you're exactly right. It's the way I the way my mind is wrapped around it. It is not always the devil, like in, like specifically attacking you. Here's how this is this is how I've reconciled with it. This world that we live in, it is it has fallen from what it was created to be all right it shortly after it was created because of the choices that humanity made it it fell away from its original design okay so therefore we now live in a place that has fell from perfection which means bad things are going to happen the, the death entered the equation pain entered the equation uh, even the briars that sh- that freaking hang and sh- tear my skin when I go through the woods. all that, All the bad stuff entered the equation, right? And so we in this life are subject to bad things. That's the world that we live in, okay? My faith says, in spite of the bad things that we as humanity are subject to, because simply we are living living in a fallen world the god that we serve the creator of the entire universe and he has the the perfect image the perfect design he can take anything that that happens in this life that is bad and he can take it and he can make it have a purpose all right he's that powerful He can literally bring flesh and life to dry bones. Like, he has the power to do that. And when you are his child, he will do that. So as his child, you're going to be subject to the same pain, suffering, sickness, all the same stuff that every other human is subject to. But if you are a child of God, he will take that. And in some way, shape, or form, he can make that into something that has purpose for his kingdom, all right? That's one of the beautiful benefits of being a child of God. You you, you can have faith that, that that is the case, man. And I got to go back to what you said earlier, David, because, dude, when you said you went through that time where you, you collected up all your mementos and stuff, and you just kind of hid them away. All right, man, I, I got to go back to that, because similarly, a few months after I was out of the Navy, um, and maybe I had even, I, I don't know if I had started through a seven project or not, but I got, this is how much I turned my back on on who I was. I gathered up all of my gear also, and I, I had a pile of gear, Um you know, that that doesn't get turned back in when you get out. And I had been in the Navy, uh, I don't even, 11, 12 years, something like that. I had took all that gear, piled piled it into the back of my Toyota truck. Every single thing that I had that could remind me of my time in the SEAL teams, took it down to the the, uh, Army surplus store and sold it all to them for $4,000. It was probably... It was probably $50,000 worth of gear. I'm talking about multiple sets of Cry uniforms and H-gear and kit and just, they bought it all and I didn't do it for the money. They just said, oh, this is what I'll give you for it. They were probably laughing, thinking, oh boy, we just got this joker. I didn't do it for the money. I did it because I didn't want to see any of that stuff. I had made up my mind I was never going to go to the range and shoot again. I wasn't going to do any of that stuff anymore. I mean, I was done with it, man. It just led me to such an unhealthy place, dude. And I didn't realize it at the time. I thought I could do that. I thought I could do that, and it was going to be no big deal. I thought, it, I actually thought it made sense to do that. And it's interesting, uh, it's interesting that now that part of your past – that old canvas that had david drawn on it as a as the navy seal right that's come back into your life man and and you're working with guys that 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 aspire to be that uh and you're ministering to them and you're spending time with them and you know eventually it started to work its way back into my life too because here's the thing, I, I came to the realization eventually, this took a while, that, man, I learned a lot of things during that time in my life that can help other people, which is what you're doing now, David. You you learned a lot of things through that time in your life that now you can take those and help other people. And I thought, well, it would be foolish of me to, to not utilize those lessons learned. So it came back into my life. And I kind of st- I, I started talking more and more publicly about uh my my career in the SEAL teams and lessons that I learned and this and that and you know we started doing a YouTube channel and I started having these uh, little backyard conversations where I go through my I love me binder and talk about the certificates that you know in training and lessons learned and all this stuff and um, when I did that though. I think this was a big part of this. uh, So I was starting to reconcile with who I was and actually mold it and merge it with the new picture of who I am. But when that happened, when that happened, there was a lot of pushback from guys that are in the teams. Uh, guys that are, that are in the military and, and, you know, you get a lot of nasty phone calls and a lot of nasty text messages and a lot of guys saying that you're just trying to, um, you're just trying to, you know, pimp the Trident out and all this stuff. And, and man, I, I, I have recently, I mean, like just a few months ago, like went through this stage of like real freaking resentment. Like man, I'm trying to reconcile who I was with who I am and provide some value. And now I'm getting all this pushback from people that I I respect their opinion. I mean, if you're a seal, if you were a seal, you're in the teams whatever. I mean, I respect your opinion more so than some average joe off the street. And I get this pushback and and then I'm like, "Well, what the freaking crap, man?" Like, "What well, what now? What am I supposed to do? Can can I not? Can we not?" Talk about that portion of our life in a respectful manner, and merge it with who we are now. Like, and man, you know, gosh, dude, I went through a, especially since we started YouTube up. Um, you know, we I've, I've taken a lot of heat for that, and it's caused me to resent the teams, man. Like, I gave twelve years of my life. And now you're telling me I can't even share any of the lessons learned? Like, I I can't make this now part of who I am in an open way? And I know you, David, I know you're not big on on the social media and all that side of the house, but it's been a major tool that we've been able to reach people and help people with. I mean, that's what it is. And, dude, it's been... uh, I'm still going through the process of reconciling with that, and I went and did a podcast a couple of months ago with a guy named Mike Ritland. He's a former SEAL. Uh, he's got a podcast called Mike Drop. He's a dog guy out in Texas, and I was in this place where, man, I was really resentful at the SEAL teams. I mean, really, and and I probably said some things on that podcast interview that I shouldn't shouldn't have said about the SEAL teams, you know. Um. And so that's also not healthy. And so now I'm trying to get to a place and I'm hoping maybe this will be one of the final stages of my personal transition to where I can respect the teams as I knew them. I can respect what we did there. I I can merge that. Part of me with who I am now, and and move forward, because I don't want to be resent. I don't want to be resentful to the teams, man. Like that's some hard. It's some hard stuff, and some of the best guys in the world are there doing that job, and I don't want to feel that. It hurts me to feel resentment toward the teams, if that makes any sense. It, it literally pained my heart to feel that resentment toward the teams and
1: well it only hurts yeah you know like it does you know when we get angry and resentful you know we're not we're not sticking it to anybody we're just sticking it to ourselves, right yeah
0: yeah man um yeah and and i feel
1: you though yeah go ahead brother i feel you you know uh you and I both know that the SEAL the team is not a perfect machine. You know, there's a lot of flaws to it. It's, in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a great uh, blessing and curse in our lives. And uh, I think, you know, there's, there has been a lot of guys that have gone out and said things that they shouldn't have said about what we do. And, you know, uh, because of that, there's so much like don't say don't even tell anybody you were a seal sort of thing. But but I, I I think, you know, it's it's our I mean for me, it's the only thing I have on my resume, you know. Yeah. So I, I I'm gonna use it for the good. I'm not going to, you know, divulge things that I'm not supposed to. Um, you know, but I'm gonna use it as a way to to glorify God and, and you know, um, I guess technically right now I'm, I'm using it to try to help the clinic. So I'm helping it in my, my, my work right now too. So, but I also have to understand that, you know, when the guys come at, come at you, you know, like understand where they're came, coming from because if they're still in, you know, there's like, you just get badgered by this like idea. Like that. Um, that you, you can't say anything, you know, so that's just like, and they don't know what it's like to be out to you. Yep. know Like, they have no idea. You you think you know what it's going to be like when you get out, but you don't. And, uh, so it's, it's, uh, I do, I've had to show grace to the people that, that are so hardline about certain things because I'm like, you know, they just, that's just where they're at right now and they don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, what you, that, I've been really proud of you for what you've done since you got out. Uh, it's funny, you know, because like, like you said, I'm not big on social media. But like, 12 years ago, I was, you know, the 20-some-year-old, like, all into social media. And you're like, shoot, man, I don't even have know how to use an email, you know, like. <laughs> and now you're you're a social media influencer, and I don't even I've, I haven't been on social media in forever. I'm just an old fart now but uh uh yeah I, I've just been so proud of you man like you have uh, made a really imp- a huge impact in people's lives that I've just bumped into uh that, that like i bumped into people here in San Diego that are like are you Dave Charbonnet and I'm like yeah and they're like I saw you on Three Seven podcast and I'm like oh, cool and I'm like, yeah Chad's so great like just you know he inspires me and like helps you know he help people with their walk with the lord and that's just so important man. and i've been really proud of, of all that that you've done cuz um, i i don't I, I think when i first met you i don't i don't know if you were saved or not no um, but yeah i mean we talked about it you know back in the day but but i don't think it was like i mean and i was i was you know walking with the lord but it wasn't like the first thing on my mind back then either you know we were consumed with this other goal and uh so it's cool now just to see where we're both at and uh you've made a impact on a lot of people and i so i just wanted to say i'm, I'm proud of you and uh it's, it's a real cool blessing for me to get to watch where you're at now.
0: well i appreciate those words david and i think that's maybe that is uh that's the key as other listeners or uh, people that are listening are thinking about, well, how does this apply to me? Well, again, it applies because what we're talking about is at some point you're going to have to reconcile who you were with who you who you are becoming if, if you have that transition and understand that it's okay to talk about who you were in a way that honors who you were, or in a way that honors the organization that you were a part of, or in a way that honors the guys that, that or or girls that you were that you were, you know, striving with during your old life, right? Um do do that. That's okay, man. Now if you're if you're looking back on what you did and you're you're recalling who you were back then or, or the the organization you are a part of just to bash them like that's obviously that's unhealthy, but it's okay. You have to merge the two because it's all one life. Like it's your life, man. Like you have to do that. And so what I'm learning right now also is that, um, maybe that it's okay to, it's okay to miss things about who you were or what you did. I used to think that that was like a, that was like if I look back and I I thought about what I missed about my past, that that was me being unthankful for what I have now or that was me being like selfish or I used to think that, but I've just now, recently had these moments where where I miss things about who I was in the job that I did in the organization I was a part of and I have to learn to be okay with missing those aspects of my old life that's okay uh I have to be able to miss those things to understand that I might not be able to recreate those same scenarios in my new life, and to know that it's not me being ungrateful. Like w- an example is one of the things that I had. I, I had a moment the other day where where I had this deep longing for being a part of a a a, a team that you. That you just knew, no questions asked. You knew they would go all the way, and by by all the way, I I, I mean all the way to the grave, son. We knew that about you about each other because of what we went through together. Like this is no, and and here's what what I'm saying. That that sounds really bad, maybe to some people. Like, oh, you don't think your team now will go all the way? It's like. Well, well now hold on a minute. Like it was different because of what we went through together in the SEAL teams. It was different. You you knew the guy you were working with would go all the way. You can't replicate that here. You you can't replicate that in this in this civilian life. And that's okay, man. That's not a bad thing but you remember what that felt like even it, even when we oh, were yeah. in buds and SQT you remember what that felt like when you could just you could just look at the guy next to you and you didn't have to like him. you didn't have he didn't have to be uh, your buddy uh, you didn't have to say a word. you could just look at him and know. That he was going to do whatever he needed to do until he absolutely couldn't do it anymore. And if you saw him stop doing what he was supposed to be doing, you better call the medic over because he's either dead or he's about to die. You remember what that felt like?
1: Oh yeah, I'll just you know I tell people too because like uh you know it's called the brotherhood right, and so they're like you know you guys are such civilians look on the outside they're like you know a field platoon is so tight it's like love. And I'm like, no, it's a brotherhood. Brothers hate each other a lot of the time. Like, but the cool thing was there was guys that you didn't like, like you said, or like, like that you really didn't like. And you all were both ready to die for each other if need be. And um, <laughs> that's like, that was like the coolest part. Cause like, it's easy to understand, you know, like I would die for my wife. Like uh, it, almost anybody can understand that, but being ready to go die for a teammate that you like really don't like, you know, it's hard for people to understand that sentiment, but, um, and, and to like trust that they were going to do it for you. Yep. Um, even though you, even though like you may know that they didn't like you or something, you know, it's like, it is, it is unique. And it's cool that I got to have a glimpse of that in my life. And, um, like you said, okay, that we don't have that now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is cool that we got to experience that. I will say that. And the the people that you really bond with, like, like my relationship with you, I feel like, uh, you're one of a handful of people that I'm, I'm still very close with that, um, from that time and, uh, that those relationships are truly treasured as well.
0: Yeah, totally, man. Totally, you articulated that so well, man. It's actually helping me listening to you articulate it is helping me process exactly what it is that i that I missed because when I make that again, when I this this is where the rub is when like I make that statement to my team, they're like, "Well, well, Chad, i I'll, I'll go all I'll go, we'll go all the way. What why do you what are you talking about?" And I, I think that's the point you just articulated so well. It's being able to look at the man next to you and know that Joker freaking hates me. But if I'm drowning in in the water and the current's pulling me under, he's going to do everything that he can possibly do to save my life, even even if it involves putting his own life in jeopardy. And that dude don't even like me. That that is what cannot be replicated. It won't happen out here. It won't you cannot create that out here. And so, you know, yeah, I, I'm I'm still working through that, man.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't it from it's from you know, like, even though like you said, like we have teams out out in the civilian world and they're like, Hey, yeah, you know, we would go to the grid for you. And and you might like believe that, that, but like in the military, they've been you know that they've been tested. Yeah. That he like similar to what you've been tested, and so there's that understanding of that of what that they've they've been put to the test. It's not just like words that they're saying, um, and I think that that holds a lot of weight and. I think that's probably why, you know, like the, the, uh, courses you do, like I think you were saying, um, you take these guys out. Uh, it's, it's difficult and they, they don't know each other. Mm-hmm. And they go through this difficult thing and become lifelong friends because they know that these, uh, that these people around them, they know that they were tested like they were tested and. And you, you just can't get that. You have to, like, kind of be, I feel like civilians have to go to, like, things like that to, like, manufacture that or, you know, some civilians, like, uh, that, you know, people have trials no matter what, right? Like, everybody's going to go through hard things in their life. Um, and so people that, I think that's why people gravitate towards each other. Like, if you've lost a child, like, I mean, that's way harder. But, but, and then like those people, you know, they they meet other people that have lost a child, and they're able to like be there for each other, and um, and and like knowing what they've been through, you know, that common that commonality, I think, uh, is important. And I think just like as humans, as pack animals, like we are, we're we're always looking for that, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, totally, man. Well. I, I look at guys like um like your dad for instance uh you know I always see the it, it, which he get he gets on streaks he'll post he'll post quite you know he'll get in a streak where you'll be seeing beyond the teams is their organization and they're always doing awesome stuff it's a bunch of uh, older team guys and I watch their, Very old. <laughs> you know they'll be out on a mission and they'll they'll be all over social media and I'm always watching to see what they're doing and. And I love what I love about them is they're at a place in their life where you can tell they have they have reconciled completely who they were with who they are, and they are complete they are at peace moving forward with what they do. Y- you can just see it on their faces. They've come to a, a complete, they've been able to completely merge. All of, all of those life experiences and all of that stuff together and, and have respect and peace for all of it. And I never knew that that was even a thing. I never looked at that as like, wow, that took a process. That in and of itself is an accomplishment. To be able to merge those, all, all of those parts of who you were, who you are, who you're becoming, all into one and move forward at at peace. It's like, I don't know, going through the process that I've been going through gives me a whole new respect as I see guys like your dad in that group do what they do. Like nobody even knew it was a process for them to get to the point that they are now as people. I never could have anticipated that. And I'm nowhere close to where they are, but that's where I'm trying to get to because I feel like that's when you will be most effective in life, moving forward, serving Christ. And whatever your purpose is, that is where you will become most effective is when you, can, when you go through that transition and you can take everything that you were, add it to or merge it with who you are or who you have become. And move forward with the with the complete package, and that's what those guys do, man. I see them doing it. You can see it on their face.
1: Yeah, I mean, my dad, my dad's my hero. Yeah, yeah it always has been, and uh, he's he's always just been like sure of, not sure of himself, but like he knew who he was. All oh, since I've always known. There's never been a time where he was, like, brotherless since I've been alive. And and I, I remember, you know, I was not a very confident kid, like, teenager. And uh, I always, I was like, man, I wish I was, like, just as confident as my dad. Like, he was just, he wasn't cocky, but he was, like, he knew who he was. Just, he knew his place in the, in the world. And I thought, I was like, well, that's because he, he was, so maybe when I'm this, you I'll have that assurance and and then i became a seal and i was still just as self-conscious as i ever was uh it's like man i don't know what it is and it, i think it turned out to be like he early on around the time he went through buzz actually he got right before he went to buzz he got saved and he has always found his identity in christ mm. and not in what he was doing but what what he was doing was always a avenue to how he was going to serve Christ and so he's always had that no matter what life has thrown at him the mission has always stayed there and um I think like you and I had it flip-flop you know we were like uh the mission was to be a seal and then like also we would serve Christ it wasn't like we were being a seal to serve Christ and then because then when we got out we're like well now what do we do? Yeah. it's like well if you are always looking at, at through the lens of serving Christ it's like you don't have to be like well now what do I do it's like you get out first if you transition you know or whatever you get out wh- whoever's listening if you just got out of high school or graduated college or like you know just lost your job or, or changing careers or whatever if you uh, you can find a way to to serve Christ wherever you're at even if you're not doing something like find a way to serve Christ. I mean, sometimes I go to the Bible study for the, the guys that have not made it through buds and uh, there's, sometimes nobody shows up, but sometimes one person shows up mm. and like me and the other guys that are leading, sometimes we'll be like, like ah, only, only one guy showed up. But like, if that guy like gets saved and turns his life to Christ. Hmm. That's a soul for eternity. Like and so we we've talked about that. We're like, man, we need to quit saying like only one guy. Like like that could be just so worth it. Like, you know, at first we're kind of like, oh, it wasn't worth it to come. There was only one guy today or something. But it can be like you can make a, a universal impact just by your connection with one person. Like, that power is just so amazing. And, um, you know, my dad has always had that that mindset and that goal since I've mm. been alive, since I've known him. And, and it's been cool to see because not all the, guy, all the guys that work with them, with their organization, um, beyond the teams, they do a lot of awesome stuff. But not all of them are believers, but, you know, they're all they all have that service mindset and it's been cool to talk to some of them because they're like, yeah, I was just kind of retired. And uh, then I bumped into your dad. I hadn't seen him in years and then told me what he was doing and I wanted to get involved. And it's, they're like, it turned my life around. I didn't have like any purpose and now I have a purpose. And so it's kind of cool to see like them going through that and like having knowing what they're doing, being so happy to serve. And it's like, they're, they're going through it and, a lot of them are like, you know, in their sixties and, um, and I'm learning the same lessons here now. Um, and, uh, in my thirties. And so it's just kind of, kind of interesting to see the full, the full, like, uh, spectrum, you know, and, uh, but it's just, it's a reminder to, of what to have as your, in your front sight focus.
0: Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the all that, that, ultimate purpose, or you could almost see it as like a foundational purpose that, that, that you anything else that you do is just building off of that, that foundational purpose. Um, talk about having peace in life, no matter what the transition is, no matter how things change unexpectedly or expectedly. If you've got that solid foundation of purpose in serving Christ, which uh, which I have deviated from many many times uh, but when you have that foundation, it's like well you become unshakable you become it doesn't it doesn't matter what you're doing uh you become unshakable and I got to commend your dad for always keeping that in keeping that as his foundational purpose because gosh it's easy to sh- it's so easy to stray off of that, man, and to lose sight of that. I mean, that's the everybody does it, man.
1: Yeah, he's 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 a special person. His level of focus on on that is something I've never really seen in anybody else. It seems like he doesn't waver. Now it's something I strive to do, and um, yeah, I love him, and I'm I feel so lucky that I have a dad like that. It's, He's, he's, he's a special
0: person. Yeah, I agree. And you know. my mom
1: for that case too, honestly. Yeah, so much about faith. I mean, through my injury, it rattled both of them harder than than it rattled me probably. And uh, now that I have kids, I understand why. But you know, my mom, my mom, I just watched her. She just never lost faith, never quit praying that. God would like, you know, still save me from despair, and uh, she's a prayer warrior, and uh, I've learned so much from her, too, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just really lucky that I've, I had the people around me that I've had in my life, um, friends that I grew up with, the family that I have, the friends like you that rallied around me when I was uh, going through you know, such a challenging time, and Always continue to check in on me, and uh so God's blessed me that way. But you know, people need to remember, you know, when you're doing the good work, like things are not gonna all be peachy. Like God has blessed me immensely, but you could—it's that, that's one way to look at it. One way to look at it is like God's really shafted me, you know, and I've had a lot of hard things happen. But you know, it's all perspective, right? At looking yeah. at what He's doing. And, uh, so I just say that cause I don't want to like scare people be like bad things are going to happen to you when you're, you know, doing God's work, you know, challenges are going to come and bum them out. But, but to encourage people, uh, to, to not be discouraged when that, that happens and that, to look at it. But, and so I hope, I hope that encourages people, you know, cause I don't want to, it is hard. I know people are like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm trying so hard to serve the Lord. Things just keep going wrong, and uh, it's a. Uh, I understand why it's
0: hard. Well, it's it's really. Uh, I think it's really a law, a law of nature that growth only comes through tension. And as you were talking about that, and we'll clo- we'll kind of wind it down on this. Is uh, if you ever w- wonder, is this scriptural? What this essentially, like David said, I have found blessing in chastisement at times, all right? He, he, the book of Hebrews, and if you've never read Hebrews chapters 11 and 12, you should go and read those today. In verse 7 in chapter 12, it says, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without t- chastening... Um, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. It goes on to talk about how no chastening is ever pleasant in the moment. But it's it's there if it is chastening. And by the way, all bad things that happen are not chastening from from your father. Uh, That's not the way it works. But sometimes specific things are because we're a bunch of hard-headed freaking humans, man. All right and it's never going to feel good in the moment but it is going to produce fruit in your life if you choose to endure it all right that's uh, that's that is scriptural man and it's good to it's good to differentiate you know and and remind people like you just did that I'm talking about all my blessings a lot of these blessings have come through difficult times whether it was chastening or whether it was just bad things that happened a lot of these blessings have come out of those things, and um, likewise, I can relate to that. My, I have the best marriage in the world. My marriage wouldn't be half as good as it is if it wasn't for what Brooke and I went through. It just wouldn't be. I mean, well, David, we've been going at it for over two hours, man. We're gonna, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna. Uh, fun. It does, man. It does, and I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna attach a link to uh, the, for, to David's clinic, VIP Neuro Rehab in the show notes of this episode. So if you guys are listening to this, you can just click on details and you'll see the show notes under the episode. Uh, I'll have the link to VIP Neuro Rehab in there. Go and, uh, make a contribution to the clinic. I know I'm going to do that today. Um, and David, thank you for what you do serving others. Uh, thank you for the man who you are. And, um, I love you, brother. And, uh, w- you want to close this episode out in prayer, man? Let's do it. Yeah. I'm going to let you pray. All right.
1: All right. God, thank you for blessing me the way you blessed me with, with the friends that I have. Chad, specifically, uh, I pray that you will just bless his ministry and, uh, his family. And, um, that you'll just continue your good work. Just use us as your instruments, Lord, and um, help us make an impact on people's lives. And uh, just thank you for this time to get to talk with my friend. And I pray that it is uh, a blessing to those that get to listen to it. And I pray that uh, you'll just use these two poles to encourage other people, Lord. uh, Thank you. In Jesus'
0: name amen brother thank you for that and i know guys y'all listening not a lot of people pray on podcasts but i don't get an opportunity all the time to pray with my brother david so y'all just gonna have to deal with it so i love you man we'll talk soon you too man all right
1: yeah thanks for everything